You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. I went to England to tell jokes. I wanted to do Smokey the Bear joke in England, so I had to ask the English if they know Smokey the Bear was, but they don't. Because in England, Smokey the Bear is not the forest fire prevention representative. They have Smacky the Frog. It's just like a bear, but it's a frog. I think that's a better system. I think we should adopt it. Because bears can be mean. But frogs are always cool. Like, never has there been a frog hopping toward me. And I thought, man, I better play dead. <laughs> here comes that frog. I've never said, here comes that frog in a nervous manner. It's always like optimistic. Hey, here comes that frog. All right. Maybe he will settle near me. And I can pet him. Put him in a mayonnaise jar with a stick and a leaf to recreate what he's used to. Hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener. On all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I have failed to be an animal expert once again. (laughs) Today we are talking about frogs. Froggies. Boing. But first, the news. This is Varmin's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. Hey, usually we do funny little news stories about punados and chickens and things like that. Today's news story is a little tiny bit more serious, and it's about wildlife photography. Sometimes whimsical wildlife photography isn't quite what it seems. Now, there are a series of pictures going around on the internet of frogs. There's frogs riding turtles, frogs with little snails on their heads wearing them like earphones, and frogs striking these amazing poses. Well, these photographs, there's 46 of them all together, and if you've seen them, they probably got your attention. Well, they got the attention of the science community as well. The image of the frog riding the turtle on its back in particular got scientists' attention because frogs don't ride on turtles' backs. And the photo shows an Australian green tree frog riding on a sulcata tortoise. And neither of these animals live either together or where the photograph was taken, which was West Sumatra, Indonesia. They were able to track these images down from Getty, which is an international stock photography distributor, all the way down to the source, which was Riau Images, which is an Indonesian photo agency. And they were able to actually locate the particular photographer that that took these pictures. When they questioned the photographer, he said that all of the animals in his photographs were purchased from a pet store in Jakarta, with the exception of the snails which live in his garden. The photographer has been accused of animal cruelty in his photography. Some of the frogs appear to have some bruising on their legs, but animal cruelty is just, it's kind of difficult to confirm with just a snapshot or two. What is certain is that there is some unethical behavior in wildlife photography, both with staging animals to get just the right shot and also there's inaccuracies in the captioning where you're told what kind of animals those are and where they are 
So long story short, if you see a fantastic picture of a frog or another animal and it seems too good to be true and you think, how did they, how did that happen? How did they get that shot? Question it. You might not want to know the answer, but question it. And maybe if you're suspicious, don't share it. It's not a happy thing, but um, I don't know, man. I just kind of feel like if you're using glue to uh, stick one animal to another or stick an animal's limbs to a plant, like the frog picture of the frog holding the leaf as the umbrella uh, has yeah. been like that's likely that they have glued his little his little hands to it. That's animal cruelty if you're using glue, you know. Like, oh, it, that's not being nice to animals. I, yeah, and, and I've read a few of these articles, and some of the photographers are like essentially saying, um, "Oh, it only hurts them a little." <laughs> Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's not being nice to animals. That's not. No, we, we don't abide that. Nope. And I found out about this the hard way because I shared a picture with Donna on Slack of, I forget which picture it was, of a, one of these frogs, and she was like, hey, buddy, <laughs> you might want to look into that. <laughs> I hey, felt buddy. horrible. Yeah, you did. You did. I mean, they're so cute, and it's so whimsical and everything, and then you feel really rotten when you read some of the deconstructions of some of the pictures. I remember there was one, one little froggy that a biologist had circled all the places on his little arms and legs where there were bruises, and I was like, Ugh. oh, my God, and you couldn't tell because they were red, you know? Yeah. We expect bruising to be purple and yellow and stuff. Well, in this particular species, because of the color of his skin and everything, it was... He had little red blotches, and you sort of couldn't see them unless, unless they were pointed out to you. And then you looked right. at a, a unbruised guy next to him, kind of thing. I'm like, oh yeah, that guy's kind of injured. So, um, yep. yeah, it's not a good thing. Just game. be careful. Don't do that. We're not an animal rights podcast, but sometimes I see things or and, and things happen, and you know, I just feel a responsibility to tell people about it and to let and people know And I that... don't think it's extremist behavior or view to say don't do that. Just don't yeah. do that. <laughs> it's not it's not that difficult to just not do that. So Right. Nobody has to call in the hordes of, you know, animal control extremist groups. You just don't do that and everything's fine. Just don't do it. Right on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just a reminder to go to BlazingCaribouStudios.com for the links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. Uh, the show notes will include no abused animal pictures. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at at Podcast, all one word, and at varmanspodcastgmail.com for questions, comments, stories, suggestions. I've started a Pinterest board for us. We're at Pinterest.com slash podcast. There will be a link to that on our show notes at the bottom of the page. So share your boards with us and show us your cute animals. If you like the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and leave us a nice little rating and review. And now let's learn about froggies. The kingdom of animals is fascinating. Now I'm going to tell you about their behavior and living pattern. So come on. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? We are blathering about frogs today. A frog is any member of a diverse and largely carnivorous group of short-bodied, tailless amphibians composing the order Anora. 
Frogs are very, very widely distributed. The only places they are not found are extremely arid desert regions and Antarctica and very, very cold regions. The greatest concentration of species diversity is in tropical rainforests. There are about 4,800 recorded species of frogs, and they account for over 85% of living amphibian species. One of the things that all frogs have in common are their general body plan. They all have sort of a stout body, protruding eyes, a cleft tongue, and limbs that kind of fold underneath them. And you you know what a frog looks like. You're downloading podcasts. You, <laughs> go, you live go look on at a Earth. picture of a frog. Yes, you live on Earth. You've seen a frog. Uh, but their sizes, shapes, and colors are very, very, very diverse. Frogs are not toads, even though they kind of belong to the same class and order. And we'll do an episode on toads in the future because they're different and they're really cool. The smallest frog is called the Pedophrene amauensis, and they just discovered this frog not too long ago. It is only seven millimeters or about a quarter of an inch long, and it is the smallest vertebrate in the world. We're going to put a picture of it on the show notes of this frog on a dime, and it does not cover the whole dime. It is the cutest little frog ever. Uh, the largest frog in the world is the Goliath frog, and you can find those guys in Cameroon. They can grow up to be 12 and a half inches or about 32 centimeters in length and weigh up to three and a quarter kilograms, which is just a little bit over seven pounds. Wow. The word frog comes from the old English word frogga, which means frog, but it might be related to the German word frosch, which means hopper. But uh, yeah, frog means frog. Frog. Hop. Hop, 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 hop. <laughs> Frogs are so cool. Did you know that they can breathe through their skin? <laughs> I did not know that until I started doing the research on it. That's crazy. They can also breathe through their lungs, like a human and other okay. animals that breathe through their lungs. But while they're completely submerged, all of a frog's respiration takes place through its skin. The skin... No way, dude. No, I'm telling you the truth. It's totally a fact. (laughs) The skin is composed of thin, membranous tissue that is quite permeable to water and contains a large network of blood vessels. The, The skin allows for the respiratory gases to readily diffuse directly down their gradients between the blood vessels and the surroundings. So... When the frog is out of the water, you may ask, how does that work? That's a good question. Well, mucus glands in his skin keep him moist, which absorb the dissolved oxygen from the air. So, that's interesting. Wow, that's why frogs are, like, smooth and slimy. Mm, that's why they're smooth. Uh, a frog <laughs> may also breathe like a human, like I said. They take in air through their nostrils and down into their lungs. But they take air into their lungs a little differently than humans. They don't have ribs, and they don't have a diaphragm. So that's how humans get air into our faces and into our chests. Uh, So in order to draw (laughs) air into its mouth, the frog lowers the floor of its mouth, which causes its throat to expand, and then the nostrils open, allowing air to enter the enlarged mouth. Then the nostrils close, and... um, the air in the mouth is forced into the lungs by contraction of the floor of the mouth. So basically, they eat air. No, no. Oh wow! Yeah. To eliminate the carbon dioxide in the lungs, the floor of the mouth moves down, drawing the air out of the lungs and into the mouth. And finally, the nostrils are open, and the floor of the mouth moves up. 
by pushing the and pushes the air out of the nostrils. So it's pretty cool. They also have a respiratory surface on the lining of their mouth on which gas exchange takes place. Uh, while it rests, this process is their predominant form of breathing, only fills the lungs occasionally. And this is because the lungs, which only the adults have, are poorly developed. So, it's pretty interesting. They have many different ways to get oxygen and get rid of carbon dioxide, because frogs are brilliant! <laughs> wow, yeah, that is neat. so cool. Yeah, that's cool. Froggy. Frogs jump. Yeah. Big time. Boing. Yeah. They <laughs> jump do. far. They have all of the poing. <laughs> <laughs> Frogs, they, they must have really strong leg muscles to be able to jump as far as they do, right? Yeah. Well, scientists thought so for a long time, but they were baffled to find out when they studied frogs that their leg muscles aren't nearly as powerful as they would need to be to propel a frog forward the way they do. Oh my gosh, well, where do they get the poing? That's a good question. They actually, that tremendous jumping power comes not from the frog's leg muscles, but its tendons. Just recently, scientists at Brown University were able to film frogs jumping with high-speed x-ray cameras so they could see inside the frog's legs at the very moment that the frog jumped. I'm going to just quote right from the study. It says, As the frog readies itself to leap, its calf muscle shortens. After about 100 milliseconds, the calf muscle stops moving, and the energy has been fully loaded into the stretched tendon. At the moment the frog jumps, the tendon, which wraps around the ankle bone, releases its energy, much like a catapult or an archer's bow, causing a very rapid extension of the ankle joint that propels the frog forward. The entire jump from preparation to leap lasts about one-fifth of a second, the experiment showed, even though other frog species could jump much, much faster. Wow. Yeah. Now, if that's hard to picture in your mind, you can think of a frog as like a little catapult. The muscles in the frog's leg are like the winding mechanism that pulls the arm down, and the tendons are the rope that stores potential energy. And when that rope is released, boing, the frog goes forward. The muscles are still really, really important. In fact, 25% of a frog's entire mass is dedicated to just jumping. Now, here's another interesting thing. Larger frogs can jump a further distance than smaller frogs, which makes sense because they have bigger tendons and legs and muscles. But smaller frogs can jump farther in proportion to their size than larger frogs can. So a larger frog might be able to jump five or six times its body length, but a smaller frog might be able to jump 10 or 12 times its body length. <laughs> Man. It's yeah, like firing off really a neat. little rubber band. But dang, you know. That's exactly what it's like. The, the little tendons are like rubber bands going yeah. pew. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, how fun. Frogs are awesome. They are. All right, it's disclaimer time. Once again, the Varmints Podcast knows that it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence, but then we only really have the yardsticks of ourselves to go by, and it's fun to talk about, and this is completely subjective, so we're just going to do it anyway. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Frog intelligence on a scale of 1 to 10, I don't think they're terribly smart. I think they're just too diverse of a species to just put one, stick one number on them. I gave them a three because 
mainly frogs just jump and eat and make little frogs. Right. They're like little chicken nuggets for birds and other snakes and turtles and other reptiles. <laughs> they're frog nuggets. <laughs> they're little frog nuggets. They make lots and lots and lots of little frogs. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of feel the same. I, I feel like they're... I don't know. I think they're probably like a three, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're that smart. And they're awfully cute. But Apparently you can train a pet frog to be fed by hand, but I think mainly you're just removing its natural fear of people. Well, that's the thing about training. I don't think necessarily that an animal, the ability to train an animal has a whole lot to do whether, with whether or not they are the other kind of intelligent that, that we're interested in. The kind of intelligent that makes ravens, you know, burglarize our backpacks and stuff like that. That's a whole <laughs> right. other kind. I don't think trainability is in my definition box for for intelligence, I guess. I mean, it sort of is, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not I'm willing to take points away if there's nothing else but trainability. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever I gave the goldfish, I'll give these guys. Did I say the goldfish were like 5 or 6 or something? I'm going to have to start making like a spreadsheet. Oh, I think you said goldfish were a five. It's terrible. Five. It's so arbitrary. <laughs> it really is. I just feel dumb. like three is better for them today, <laughs> but I don't know. It's so subjective. Maybe we'll run across dumb. a really smart frog and we'll just correct ourselves in a future episode. Yeah, we will. And we'll be like, this frog is a genius. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, frogs in pop culture, frogs on your dinner plate, frog animal facts right after this commercial forgive the interruption but i believe this requires your attention if you ever believed captain america was on the u.s olympic soccer team if you ever thought that the winter soldier was that brace yourselves guy on the internet and if you ever wondered just what would a raccoon do with a machine gun then don't let another week pass you by without tuning into mighty Mighty marvel Marvel Geeks. geeks Mighty Marvel Geeks is your show about all things Marvel. With news, rumors, commentary, and interviews. As well as our weekly recommendations on what to pick up on New Comic Book Day. Official consulting hours are between 8 and 5 every other Thursday. That's Mighty Marvel Geeks on WeebyGeeks.net, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And now for something completely different. Hey, you know, me and Donna, we're just a couple of nerds like you, and we don't see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk a little bit about where we see them most of the time on movies, TV, and video games. And before Donna gets to her painfully obvious choice and wonderful choice, <laughs> uh, Frogger, the video game. Frogger is an arcade game that was originally developed by Konami back in 1981. It is regarded as a classic from the golden age of video arcade games. Its gameplay and theme were very, very novel for its time. The object, in case you're living under a rock and you don't know what Frogger is, you have several frogs that you have to get back to their homes by guiding them across a busy highway and a fast-moving river full of hazards. There are no less than nine different ways to die in Frogger. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a good example of a game that is easy to learn, but kind of hard to master. In 1982, there was a musical duel called Buckner and Garcia, and they did novelty songs. Do you remember Pac-Man Fever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was their biggest hit, and it came from the album that was also called Pac-Man Fever. 
Every track on that album was about a popular arcade game at the time, and they did a song called Froggy's Lament. So I'm going to play that a little bit for you, and it's got some sounds from the video game at the beginning, too. Cool. Since 1984, Donna, how many sequels do you think the game Frogger has had? I don't even have a guess. I have no idea. 30 sequels and 12 clones. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Almost every single gaming platform has some sort of Frogger game for it, either like the classic Konami Frogger or some sort of little spinoff or sequel or, or clone or something. That's a longevity for that game that I never would have predicted, and I played it in the arcade, so. (laughs) I mean, when the Pac-Man machine was, when the Ms. Pac-Man machine was busy, you'd go play Frogger. My frog is obviously, hello, froggy baby. (laughs) My frog is Kermit the Frog. Of course. We can't do a show about frogs without talking about Kermit the Frog. No. Come on. It's not possible. So I'm over on the Muppet Wiki, which is a place that you will be caught, as I've said before on the Eagle Show. If you go here, you will be here for a long time. (laughs) Don't do it unless you have an afternoon to yourself. Kermit is arguably Jim Henson's most famous Muppet creation, and he was the star of The Muppet Show. He was the host, and he played a huge role on Sesame Street when we were kids, and he served of the logo as the Jim Henson Company. So he is continuing to star in the Muppet movies and numerous TV shows. The most recent Muppet Show they had that kind of didn't do so well, and I really liked it, so I don't know. Maybe I just like it if it's Muppet. I don't really care. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I thought it was funny, so... Uh, He grew up with thousands of siblings and has talked occasionally about other members of his family. His childhood adventures were chronicled in the 2002 video Kermit's Swamp Years. (laughs) Kermit also has a (laughs) nephew named Robin, and I love Robin. He's so cute. Miss Piggy insists that she and Kermit were married in The Muppets Take Manhattan and that they're very happy and Kermit disagrees, claiming it was just a movie. (laughs) (laughs) And in real life, they have a professional relationship, meaning he thinks they're professionals and he and she thinks they're in a relationship. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Kermit's most well-known catchphrase is, Hi-ho, Kermit the Frog here. And he typically acts on the Muppet show by waving his arms around and shouting, Yay! A technique that he learned from his old acting coach, Mr. Dawson. (laughs) He's really cool. I think Um, if you want to be the voice of Kermit the Frog, there is a job opening right now. There is. I couldn't do it, though. I can't do Kermit. 
Kermit the Frog here. You did a good job. That was good. Oh, I can't thanks. do it. Kermit the Frog here. No. <laughs> nope. So the earliest version of Kermit first appeared in 1955 on Sam and Friends, which is Jim Henson's five-minute puppet show that aired twice daily on WRC-TV. The soon-to-be-famous frog had humble origins. And Jim Henson said, I'd paint the scenery and Janie would carry it in the station wagon. We made the first Kermit from wearing my mother's old coats with ping-pong balls for his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask if, those, if that was a ping-pong ball cut in half for his eyes. It was originally. Probably isn't is now. Great. It's all custom-made now. But In the early days of the character... Oh, I should say, the character's voice was uh, inspired by a similar voice that Stan Freeberg used to do. So, in the early okay. days, he was he was not really a frog. He was kind of more a, a lizard-like kind of abstract guy. And Jim Henson said he started out as a way of building, putting a mouth and a covering over my hand. That was, you know, there was nothing in Kermit outside of the piece of cardboard. It was originally cardboard <laughs> and the cloth oh, okay. shape that was on his head. He was one of the simplest kinds of puppets that you can make, and he's very flexible because of that, and it gives him a range, of, a huge range of expression. So, yeah, the, the best is like that that scrunch faced Kermit the Frog oh, is disgusted yes, about something. Yes, face. I love that. Yes, <laughs> where he just puts his fingers under his thumb, basically. Yes, it's <laughs> so silly. In the later years, Henson said that Kermit didn't become a frog until the 1971 special The Frog Prince, a claim that made its way into the 1993 book Jim Henson the Works. However, Kermit's frog had asserted itself as early as 1965 when Johnny Carson referred to him as Kermit the Frog on a December 31st Tonight Show appearance. The 1966 Montgomery Wards catalog which featured the ideal Muppet puppets, refers to Kermit as a fanciful frog. Kermit <laughs> refers to himself as a frog in the 1968 special The Muppets on Puppets. The special Hey Cinderella, which was recorded in 1968, featured a redesigned Kermit puppet, and his round feet were replaced by flippers at that time, and he was given his little collar. So he has a, a long and complicated history as a puppet, does little Kermit. But uh, he was wonderful. Uh, one of the most memorable things that Kermit does is he sings songs. He's a performer. He plays the banjo and he, you know, plays whatever instrument they want to give him. And yeah. there's lots and lots of songs, and uh, including ones you've probably heard of, like Being Green and uh, The Rainbow Connection and all that stuff. But today I chose this one. <laughs> Tropical island with the mango moon and banana sunshine. And on this tropical island, there lives a cousin of mine. Sometimes he lives in the water, sometimes he lives on the land. Sometimes he likes to go sun himself on soft Caribbean sand. He's a Caribbean amphibian. He likes to hop in the tropical sea, Caribbean amphibian. A frog in the coconut tree. That's delightful. Isn't that awesome? I love it. So fun. So yeah, let's Kermit. Kermit. And uh, he's <laughs> really cool. I just he he's a multi 
functional guide. And if you have kids that are Sesame Street age, you should look up the old Sesame Streets of, of Kermit from the 70s and 80s and stuff because they're really funny and they're they a good are. time. Yep. And uh, I don't think he's on Sesame Street anymore. So. I don't think he is either, but you yeah. can go on YouTube and find a ton of clips of him on Sesame Street. Yeah, and they were super fun. So, yeah. I like to eat! Oh, I like to eat too. Okay, frog legs are delicious. Hmm. They are wonderful. I've That's never some of my had favorite them. food ever. I have never had them. Aren't they kind of small? They're kind of small. They're kind of like, there's an, I mean, if you get one set of legs, and you can tell that they're legs. You know, it's about as much meat on them as a chicken wing. Mm. Yeah, but they're really tasty. Yeah. Do they taste different? Do they taste like frog? They taste like every other reptile or amphibian. Oh. They taste like alligator, which tastes like turtle, which tastes like snake, which tastes like everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Anything that lives in the swamp, they all pretty much taste alike. Do they fry them, or what do they do with them? I have had them fried, and I have had them grilled, and I prefer them fried. Hmm. With cocktail sauce. Okay. Donna. Yes. Is your brain a vast wasteland of useless information like mine is? It's a vast wasteland, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's help everybody win that next trivia night or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the animal fact of the week. Is this your homework, Larry? Look, man. Do, please. Poison dart frogs are the most poisonous animals alive. The golden poison frog in particular carries around enough poison at any given time to kill 10 grown men dead. Now, just a reminder about the difference between poisonous and venomous. We talked about it. I think we talked about it in the octopuses episode, but there's a big difference. And this is the easiest way to remember the difference between poisonous and venomous. If you bite it and you die, it is poisonous. If it bites you and you die, it is venomous. Ah. Yeah. Either way, you are dead. Either way, you're dead. <laughs> and you will not know the difference. Poison dart frogs have poison glands beneath their skin. And when they're being attacked or harmed, they will start to perspire that poison through their skin. They live in the Colombian rainforest. And perhaps you've heard tell of native people using those poison dart frogs to coat their arrows and their blowgun darts to make them even deadlier? Yes, I have heard that. It is absolutely true. It's not a myth. In fact, arrows dipped in poison dart frog juice remain potent for an entire year. Wow. The poison these little frogs produce is a type of neurotoxin called batrachotoxin, and it affects the nervous system. The way batrachotoxin kills you is by permanently blocking nerve signal transmission to the muscles. And your heart is a muscle. Your diaphragm that controls your breathing is a muscle. They're both involuntary. So the batrachotoxin shuts down that communication between those muscles in your brain. Your heart stops, you start breathing, and you die. Ah, so when when ABC made that song, shoot that poison arrow through my heart, they were just being (laughs) metaphorical. They didn't really want you to do that. No, please don't do that. (laughs) Especially because there's no antidotes for batrachotoxin at all. If you get some in your system, you're going to die. There have been attempts to recreate batrachotoxin, like synthetic substances, based on that chemical for medicinal use. One article I read said that they developed a painkiller 
based on batrachotoxin that was 10 times more powerful than morphine. Mm. But they couldn't use it. Of course, because it would kill you. <laughs> yeah, the effective dose was too close to the lethal dose to be used safely. So, mm. batrachotoxin continues to just exist in poison dart frogs in the forest and do not lick frogs. <laughs> you should not do that anyway. That's no, don't do that anyway. Idea. <laughs> it's really mean to the frog, too. Yeah. That counts as not being nice to him. So, yeah. Frog licking. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Boing. Okay, I'm going to talk about the spring peepa. The spring peepa is a small chorus frog widespread through the eastern United States and Canada. Now, you called it a chorus frog. Is that C-H-O-R-U-S, like a, like a singing group? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. They are so called because of that sound that we can hear in the background, <laughs> 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 which is a chirping call that marks the beginning of spring. There are two subspecies. So the northern one, which is the P.C. crucifer, found all over the eastern United States and eastern Canada, and the southern, which is P.C. Bartramiana. And the southern is distinguished by a strong, dark marking on its belly. It doesn't have a southern accent or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> it is found along the southern Gulf Coast from southern or southeastern Texas to northern Florida and southern Georgia. And the map also shows that they have a little habitat on the toe of Florida. So, these guys are pretty amazing, and I just want to talk about them because they're super fun. They are tiny. They're so tiny. They're little itty-bitty guys. They are the size of a quarter. And when yeah. it's mating season, they come out in the thousands. And it's not an right. underestimation to say thousands. So that's, that's tons of them. My <laughs> family and I, when I was a young teenager, we drove through Louisiana um, we drove up the Swanee River, which is a real thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it exists here in Florida, too. Yep. I didn't know that when I was yeah. a young teenager. But, yes, way down upon the Swanee, Swanee River. Swanee River. That is a real place. So I remember we stopped at this 7-Eleven, and there were peepas everywhere. We'd been hearing them for a really long time, miles and miles and miles. And... We stopped at the 7-Eleven, and the whole wall of the 7-Eleven on the outside was just covered. Covered. Everywhere. Wow. And unfortunately, it was also the parking lot. It had a lot of squished peepas. Oh, no. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> because they weren't, you know, really bright enough to get out of the way of the automobiles. <laughs> they were well, like... and when there's that many of them, you really cannot avoid them. Yeah, you can't. And they just don't know. They don't know to stay out of the way of the... They don't know not to land in the parking lots and stuff, so. But, uh, you know, future generations of peepas might be able to avoid that because their ancestors were on the wall of the 7-Eleven instead. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a little disturbing, but mostly it was um, just super fun. And the big chorus is, is just, as you can tell, it's relentless and it's very hard to sleep when that's going on. <laughs> it really is. Like one of those little frogs do, by itself mm -hmm. makes a little bit of noise, but 300,000 of them make a lot of racket. Yes. And when I was uh, vacationing up in New England with my friends, I'd, I'd come before a couple weeks before spring hits and 
In, in New England, the seasons actually behave. They come when they're supposed to. <laughs> like on the day that spring is supposed to happen, it's like, choing, poing, it's spring. Flowers, scratch, everywhere, stuff. And that's just how it is, which I'm not used to because I'm from Colorado where we have like summer, some rain and winter, and then some rain and summer. <laughs> don't, don't really have spring and fall so much, a little bit, not too much. But uh, New England is very, very different. You know, the seasons are just like right on time, all the time. And my buddies were telling me, oh, you should you should be here for the peepas. And that's what they call them, the peepas. <laughs> right. Oh, you should come here for the spring peepas. I'm doing my terrible New England accent. <laughs> the peepas. So, yeah. Your wife cool. is from Rhode Island, right? She so is. She can totally tell you about the peepas. So the peepas. They, they sound completely the same as the ones that are that are down in the south. They just... They have a really small differentiation with that black stripe on their underbelly. But that's it. Yep. The um, <laughs> Right around the end of May, we'll get our first really good heavy rainfall. And right across from where I live, there's a stormwater drainage canal. There's no houses, which is really nice because there's no houses and there's no neighbors to worry about across the street. But it's just a wonderful little habitat for frogs. And as soon as we have that first big rainfall, those frogs party out there. Yeah. And between the little peepers and the Cuban tree frogs, it is so loud when they start at night. It is as loud as a lawnmower. And I'm not even kidding. Yeah, we were trying to figure out how to represent how loud this is on a podcast. And it's not. we have to, vo we have to normalize the volume on everything, so there's not really any way for us to do that. <laughs> right. Turn up the volume until you're like, okay, there's no way a frog could be that loud. A frog is that loud, or a, a, thousands of frogs are that loud. Absolutely. They're super loud. And it's, I mean, it's really cool, but then when you're laying there in 1986, and there's yep. no air conditioning in the house, and there are cucarachas all over the place. Oh, no. Water bugs. <laughs> <laughs> And then there are frogs outside. It's a little bit, feels a little jungly, I guess. Uh, sure. So. All right. Well, that's frogs. That's frogs. Boing. Frogs are, frogs have all the poing and they are really cool. We like them. We do. Mm. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. The Barman's Podcast has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo and music by Kevin McLeod. As always, thank you guys. And by you, the Patreon supporter, thank you so much for going to the Blazing Caribou Studios Patreon, giving a dollar or two every month to make sure that we can keep bringing you little animal facts and fun noises and all the weird stuff we do here on the Varmints Podcast. And now for the Rugrat Corner. This week, we have Farah. Farah has something to say about animals. All right, Farah. I got a few questions for you about frogs. Okay. What do you know about frogs? Well... The neon ones are normally from, like, the rainforest, or mm -hmm. they're more likely to be poisonous. Okay. Um, I found a lot of green frogs, like, when we go to South Carolina, and sometimes when we're here. All right, cool. And where, and, and where is here? Harrisburg, Virginia. Okay, cool. Um, would you ever eat frogs' legs? No. Do you know oh, people eat frogs' legs? Yes. But you never try frogs' legs? No. Right. They sound icky. 
All right, well, would you kiss a frog? No. Not even if it turned into a prince? Wait, no, no, actually, I would, because then you can get superpowers. <laughs> I think it you just get a prince. Isn't that what happens in fairy tales when you kiss the frog? No. <laughs> All right, thank you, Farah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I agree with her. The superpowers are way cooler. I mean, all you have to do is look at the various royal families all over the world and realize that the prince is just kind of a mugs game. You know? <laughs> I'd rather have the superpower. Yeah. I'm with her. <laughs> Good for you, Farah. And thank you to Zenger. He is the host of the Zeng This podcast. They are a podcast that's all about movies and TV and pop culture, and it's really fun to listen to, so go check that out. And thank you all once again for listening, and until next time. Um, be nice to animals. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. Yeah, because they used to, my parents used to send us off to the arcade with a roll of quarters. I didn't figure out until I was maybe in my 30s that this was the way that got us out of the house so they could have alone time. <laughs> they were willing to pay us to leave them alone, basically. So. <laughs> Not that I blame them. I mean, we were probably annoying, so... How did you find out that that was the case? I put two and two together randomly one day, and I asked my mother, and she confirmed my suspicion. <laughs> <laughs> Boing. <laughs> Boing. Boing.